pollution incidents from farms are having a big impact on England's rivers. In this latest podcast from Moor Valley Farmers, the Environment Agency's Stephen Webster outlines the most common pollution incidents and how they can be prevented. Did you know that 86% of rivers in England fail the threshold for healthy ecological status? In this conversation with Stephen Webster and Lisa Hamley from Mole Valley Farmers, we'll discuss ways farmers can help reduce pollution in rivers through better field and crop management. Here's what's coming. Nationally, 86% of our rivers in England fail for ecological status. In the southwest, 78.8% of the rivers fail for ecological status. It's about understanding each individual farm, each individual challenge. So they might think it's somebody else, but let's just check, you know, in your own backyard, in your own fields, um, is this happening? Is there something better we could be doing? If it's a late variety of maize and it's, it's been left and it's compacted maize stubble and it causes a big problem, there's really nothing to sort of just mitigate against that. So let's get into this with the Environment Agency's Stephen Webster and Lisa Hamley from Mole Valley Farmers. Delighted to have uh, Lisa Hamley and uh, Stephen Webster from the Environment Agency here with us today. Let's just go around the room. Let's have a couple of introductions. First of all, from you, Lisa. Okay, so Lisa Hamley, Head of Grassland and Forage Agronomy at Mole Valley Farmers. Thanks, Lisa. Lisa, a familiar voice, of course, on the Mole Valley podcast. An unfamiliar voice, in fact, his first appearance here on the Mole Valley podcast, Stephen Webster. Delighted to have you along, Steve. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Seth. Um, so I'm Stephen Webster. I sit, I obviously work for the Environment Agency. Uh, I work within the new land management team uh, that covers Devon and Cornwall, um, looking at all things um, land, to be honest with you. Hopefully I can, I can sort of shred a bit of light on the state of play um across across the across England um with regards to agriculture and and other industries and um yeah sort of look at a way that we can work together to try and try and sort of address some of these problems that we see well there's certainly a lot of land in Devon and Cornwall but if you're listening outside of the two counties this conversation will still most definitely be for you so uh, keep listening because what we're going to talk about here with Devon and Cornwall may well apply to you very soon. So Lisa, when you said to me you were bringing on a guest from the Environment Agency, I did think, what will farmers feel about this because they love the agency? And equally, I suppose you could say they're always a little bit fearful. So what was the the purpose of uh, this invitation? Well, you are right, Seth. I mean, I I felt a little bit the same, uh, hopefully Stephen won't mind me saying, uh, when the EA contacted me, it was a little bit like, oh, now I've been called to the headmaster's office. Um, but actually, you know, I went along there and um, I can see the challenge of what they're trying to address. And at the end of the day, this um, these issues are an issue for all of us, you, Seth, Stephen, you know, everybody that's um, involved in agriculture. We we need to kind of know what the, what the size of the problem is and then how can we help? Um, and as Mole Valley, you know, we're, we're keen to make sure our farmer shareholders and members are getting the right advice. So I thought the best thing is to get it from the horse's mouth. So um, yeah, Stephen's along to address that. Yeah, and it's one of those things, isn't it, that at the end of the day, everybody wants the best for the environment. So 
let's find out what the what the problem is what are we looking at and move it along from there with some practical advice some helpful information and where to go if you do need some further advice so yeah Stephen tell us what what is the problem that, that we are specifically looking at well there's um there's quite a diff there's quite a lot of things that the agency look at and um hopefully I can go through at least well three of them now that gives it a bit of context shall we say so it's funny you say um Lisa about being summoned to the headmaster's office and that's so in the past the EA has certainly been responsive to incidents so that's one of the first things that we respond to environmental incidents and this is this is some very good news I think for the agricultural industry because I pulled I pulled some data all the way back from the 1990s uh, where we had nine 900 category one or two incidents and the way incidents are sort of categorized within the agency category one and two is a four there's a four category system and category one and two are certainly the most severe so we're talking fish kills we're talking um big pollution events of rivers so in in the in 1991 1993 the 90s there was 900 um incidents of category one or two nature in 2017 uh there was there was 56 so there's there's still there's still a considerable amount um but and the agricultural industry should be praised with their response to reducing incidents um over over time um there are a few caveats i mean there's the number of farms has certainly decreased over that time um and the you know the agency isn't the power that it once was, but um, we certainly have seen a decrease in the in, sever- in severity of incidents over that time. So, congratulations to the farming industry for that. Um, and then we go into water framework directive scores. So this is every river in England will get tested for ecological status and chemical status, and. I'm specifically looking at the ecological status um, of of the rivers here. This is the conversation of ecological status, and um, so we're looking at phosphate, nitrates, invasive species, ammonia, and um, all the different parameters get fed in, and then it gets fed into a, a classification of high, good, moderate, um, basic, moderate, uh, fail and well bad so anything that's below a moderate is a fail and um how the sis the scoring system works on wfd if one fail if if one if there's one failure it's a complete failure so one out all out it's a fail um so how are we doing what are the scores so nationally 86 percent of our rivers in england fail for ecological status in the southwest 78.8% of the rivers fail for ecological status. So that that gives you a bit of a snapshot. There is a there is quite a lot of failures in our rivers um throughout England. Now, when I joined the agency, I I didn't realize the true impact of agriculture because I and and this is where we need to understand if it's water companies, we need to understand if it's um urban and transport or if it's any other sector and agriculture is of course one of those sectors so following on from the wfd scores 
we have um, what we call RNAGs, and this is the reason for not achieving good. Um, I must say that for RNAGs, you can have multiple RNAGs for a failure. So just because one catchment's failing doesn't mean it's going to have one RNAG. So it's possible to have a lot more RNAGs than there is failures. That's what I'm trying to illustrate here. Um, so nationally, um, agricultural was responsible for 29.9% of all RNAGs. So 30% um, of RNAGs uh, was agriculture. And I'll come on, I'll split up what, what RNAGs in agriculture, um, how we split that up in agriculture in a minute. Uh, water companies, for context, um, accounted for 26.8% of RNAGs nationally. So agriculture is a slightly bigger problem from the data that we have from water companies, but they together they are both the considerable um, problems that we have or issues and we have. To put that into perspective, in the southwest, um, so 40.8% of RNAGs was attributed to agriculture. So it's a heightened problem in the, in Devon and Cornwall. Um, we do have a data for all the different regions um, nationally, but obviously I'm, I'm working in Devon and Cornwall, so I've I've got the data for Devon and Cornwall. And that, that RNAG total accounts to 51% of our water bodies in the southwest are affected by agriculture. To put that into um, the water companies, however, so the RNAG total for the water companies in the southwest was 26.4%. Um, 33% of our water, our rivers in the southwest are affected by water water companies. So national picture, very similar to water companies, if not slightly worse, and um, a slightly bigger problem um, in the southwest is a bigger problem again. Um, agriculture. So I hope, I hope that gives you there's there's some there's some good news with the incidents. They have come down over time, um, but from the data that we have, that the rivers there are a lot of rivers failing, and a lot of rivers failing for agriculture. Um, as I said, there are other causes in these catchments, but agriculture is certainly a, a key player. Um, how do we split up? So ag agriculture can be a lot of things. We know that. Um, so the biggest cause of agricultural failure is phosphate. Um, that accounts for 56% of the agricultural failures nationally. Um, and you may ask, how do we split up? How do we know if it's a, a water issue problem? So a phosphate, phosphate issue coming from water companies? Or how is it a phosphate issue coming from agriculture? And there are there are scientific tests that we can we can do, and they, and we do them um, that where we can understand if it's coming from a ruminant or if it's coming from human that waste. Um, so we do we do spend a lot of time and effort digging down into this data to make sure it's to make sure we can understand the who is who is part of the problem in these catchments. Um, part of the Another part of the problem with agriculture is fine sediment. So that accounts for 11% of, of agricultural RNAGs, so reason for not achieving goods. Um, and that's where our team sort of sits in. 
we're trying to we're trying to work with farmers to um sort of improve cropping improving improving sort of yeah soil soil health and um, just to keep soil in in gateways a bit better but that's that's a small part of the problem um yeah i i hope that gives you i appreciate that was a lot of there was a lot of figures in there and um yeah that sounds that's all the bad that's all the bad news Stephen. but i suppose from my point of view i'm thinking well you already reached out to to us and other companies obviously uh which i said i think is massively positive um so we can you know we understand what the problem is um and the scale of it so i suppose it comes down to the practicalities now of how do we help as you know mole valley uh um, as a business and help our uh, members and shareholders improve on on what they're doing I mean, I suppose as an agronomist, I've got the general ideas and, you know, understand soil health and nutrient management planning, all those type of things. But I suppose what are the major causes of, you know, those incidents where the water quality is affected from, from your point of view? So the the water quality issues, the I mean, the phosphate, the phosphate issue is picked up by the Agricultural Regula- Regulatory Task Force team. Who are another team of officers that you may that your your customers and shareholders may have had visits from in the past, um, our and and now, and they are looking at SAFO regs, so they're looking at infrastructure. Have has the farmer got the correct amount of storage, um, clean and dirty water separation, and um, to try and keep that, and then sort of as you said, nutrient planning. Um, is the farmer doing everything he he can to match the nutrient requirement of the crop with the organic manure that he's spreading and it, from from my perspective in our perspective we we just see this as as good because ultimately the the farmer doesn't want those nutrients in his organic manure to go down the river especially at the moment considering i mean i know nitrogen's dropped back a little bit but it's still it's still not at levels pre pre-covid so we we're working together to try and make as much use as as the as the nitrogen, the phosphate, the potassium, um, and other trace elements in in muck. Um, but yeah, so that 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 team's looking at SAFO regs, nutrient planning, and all that. Our team is um, so we straddle the the flooding side of the agency and the water quality side of the agency, and we're looking at soil health really, um, and how more valley can and other companies can fit into this is is looking at soil structure so a lot of the problems that we have with soil erosion events is because the soil is in poor structure and we can go into many mitigation methods for many crops and we can go into cover crops we can go into specific grass mixtures but ultimately if that soil structure is in bad nick it's going to cause problems um and there are there are crops where it is going to be in bad nick, and uh, I mean I'm I'm based in Cornwall. I want to see a thriving um, winter veg market. I want to see a thriving daffodil production down here. Um, it's something that the Cornish should be should be rightly rightly proud of. Thank you. So it's how how do we work with industries like that and and yourself to understand the risks associated with 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 certain cropping and then so then we can mitigate against the the environmental effects of soil erosion events for flooding as well um 
I know when you originally said, you know, we were talking about maize and I mean, obviously as a, is a, you know, a livestock based company, maize is a fantastically nutritional um, feed for our dairy cows, beef and, and, you know, in some cases sheep. So we want to protect that in a way as, you know, a, a future crop. And, but I can also, on the other hand, see the challenges, um, you know, we've had an enormous amount of rain recently, you know, we've got snow, um, all sorts of things have been thrown at, at that soil now, which in some cases has been left bare over the wood. I mean, what's, you know, what, what's your worst case and best case scenario, I suppose, with maize? You're completely right. Maize is a cracking crop. Um, and from my background, I would, I would, I would love to keep it sort of as part of the farmer's sort of cropping ro rotation because it, it makes so much sense for, for rations and everything else, but it's got to be, it's the management of the maize and then the post-harvest management as well. So it, that's because the problems that we have with maize is, is that it's left as a compacted maize double because it may have been harvested too late for the, for the, um, capabilities of that soil type, shall we say? Um, and that's when we get unnatural runoff. We get flooding, we get soil loss, but it's just, it's, it's a bit of a nightmare to be honest with you. Um, but how, how I see the EA working with industry is trying to sort of improve varietal selection. Um, I understand why farmers do want to, um, sort of go for later varieties because they are higher, higher yielding, um, and sort of you've got the you've got the fixed costs of growing the crop. So you want to get as much yield from that crop as possible. But then farmers got to understand that there is a, there is an ability to that, to that land sort of not all land can be harvested mid to late October. Um, yeah, unfortunately I, 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 I wish it wasn't the case, but yeah. And, um, so it's, it's where more value and other agronomy companies can really lead it's 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 understanding the capability of that land and the risks associated with that land and then matching the correct um sort of maize variety to that land and there may be cases where maize just isn't suitable to be grown and then it's it's looking at which grass mixtures can be grown or whole crop or something that comes off earlier perhaps you can get uh you know grass in afterwards something like that yeah good starch starchy crop um yeah like I say i might also think from my point of view you know it, a fields uh is there 12 12 months of the year it's not just for the maize crop or um you know the next crop that's following in the spring it's 12 months so there's potential for um maybe a, a catch crop if that you know if the soil's right like you say and it's okay for um for re-entry in, into that situation but if you plan it then the chances are that, you know, it will happen. I mean, obviously we've got weather um, considerations, soil type, um, et cetera. But, you know, I think it, uh, some planning and thought process behind how to, like you say, manage each individual um, soil type um, can make a huge difference. Before we get into the solutions, potential solutions for how we can get around this, just hearing there what Stephen's got to say, Lisa, mm -hmm. you know, for farmers and other people involved in the agriculture industry that are listening, what kind of challenges do you think that kind of is throwing up in their minds about how we're doing? Because we're, what we're effectively saying is that 
this doesn't have to be detrimental to your farm, but it's going to require a change in how you do it. So what do you think that sort of initial reaction might be? Oh, well, I think that it might be a bit like when I went into the offices um, down at the EA um, there, um, you're thinking, I'm thinking, well, it's somebody else, you know, somebody somebody else is doing it. It's somebody else's um, problem. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, involved in that. And then, you know, having those conversations and, and seeing the extent, you know, I'm a recent adoptee to uh, Devon. Um, and then so seeing, um, yeah, the, the challenges that um, Stephen and the team there have got, I think it's about understanding each individual farm, each individual challenge. So they might think it's somebody else, but let's just check, you know, in your own backyard, in your own fields, um, is this happening? Is there something better we could be doing? Um, and if there is, let's let's explore it and um, see if it's beneficial. I find in a lot of situations where, you know, the the worst things happened perhaps you know they might have had a visit from the a um actual fact once you start looking into perhaps you know going about neutral management planning but neutral management planning really focusing on on um you know cropping where's the best places to crop it might be that you always put the maize in the same field because it's easy and you don't have to really think about that you might be putting your muck in that field because you know that's where you can put it through the winter um, because of the soil type. So, you know, you've got to really plan these things ahead of time. Um, things always change, you know, um, weather, et cetera, et cetera. But if you've got a plan, then, um, yeah, the chances are that it will all work better and you could be more profitable and, and have better yields um, of your cropping. But, um, you know, don't assume, I suppose, that it's somebody else's, somebody else's doing it because it could, you know, you, you could make improvements perhaps. And I guess from the environment agency's perspective, Stephen, you're not there wanting to be uh, penalising people, are you? You're, you're there wanting to just advise, offer some support to go alongside the farmers. And as Lisa said, it just requires that bit of thought, doesn't it, in advance? What are we going to do? Can we do it? The same as we're doing it, but in a slightly different location. You're Yeah, you're completely right, uh, Seth. I mean, the we call it, we call it, um, within the Environment Agency, advice-led regulation. Um, so advice and guidance would always be our sort of step one, shall we say. Um, we're always wanting to sort of improve the job together, working together. Um, but as you can maybe agree, maybe not agree, that we are the regulators, so we always have to sit sort of... There, there is only so much advice and guidance that we can give before we start going down a, a warning letter route, um, enforcement undertakings, um, there's yeah, there, there's there's a whole suite of regulatory tools, enforcement tools that we've got, um, but we will always our default is advice and guidance, and especially with this issue, it's it's certainly advice and guidance and working with industry. I think that's how we that's how we solve this one, especially. Yeah. Uh can absolutely see that. So for farmers going forward from this point, Lisa, and in a moment we'll come on to what the Environment Agency is doing in terms of a pilot scheme in North Devon in particular, but in terms of farmers, and you mentioned there about could it be a different type of maize? Could it be a different field that you're uh, putting the maize in? Could it be a different system altogether? You still want to get the end result at the end of the day, don't you? Best possible return on that crop to be able to feed the livestock through 
the times that you need it desperately. So what are we what are we suggesting then to our farmer members and anybody else that's listening? Um, so yeah, definitely suggesting that um, nutrient management plan and um, having that conversation about cropping. So looking at where uh, maize, in particular, in this instance, is being sown. If there's been any challenges, you know, so if they've had problems in the past, obviously that's a that's a top priority then to um, have that help and advice. Um, look at the sites um, as an agronomist. You know, look at the soils. And so uh, look at the challenges that are there and then act accordingly. So, you know, you, you, you can talk about um, doing things and you can do soil tests and, and actually not do anything about it. You know, put them in your drawer or you can actually go and work with a nutrient management plan and a cropping system that works for you. And, you know, tie in with your nutritionist, say, look, you know, I'm having a bit of a challenge here with the maize. What else would work in the diet? And they go, well, actually, you know, whole crop might work well in this situation or they might have other options. So it's looking at the whole process because you might have an area where, you know, you like to grow maize, but perhaps it's a very marginal area. So Steve was talking about cost. So cost versus yield are always going to be a challenge. Um, but it might be that, you know, you've got plenty of rainfall. So you could grow a really good crop of grass and perhaps buy in maize from other areas. So there's lots of ways of, of solving um, solving these issues, but it's engaging with those people that are, you know, there for, to give help and advice. And I guess, Stephen, that if you know as a farmer that you've got a field where you've been growing maize in particular, you have been harvesting it late, and you have been aware that the runoff does happen because the land is compacted, that you, you can't, pardon the pun, just put your head in the soil, bury your head, you've got to actually do something about it and and think these things through in advance definitely definitely i mean sort of like we you, yeah it's it's something that's getting more and more looked at with it within the environment agency um and this is hopefully a proactive approach to try and solve the problem before before it well it becomes a bigger problem shall we say um i'd just like to jump back on to sort of the stuff that the maze mitigation method shall we say um that mole valley do have I mean, you're you're a headline sponsor for the Maze Growers Association. They've got a, they've got a brilliant tool that uses heat units, and it can it can predict harvest dates uh, for a given FAO, so how late a maize variety will be. Um, and then they and then where I see more Valley and sort of the farmer linking up is you can match the later. You can almost predict the harvest date for the capability of your land, um, and then. If you are pushing it too late, you can look at under-sowing. Um, you can look at post-harvest cultivations if the soil type allows. Um, there are there are a lot of mitigation methods in the in the industry that are no, well known, and they, they've had we've had trials on. It's just matching the right one for um, for your soil type. But the underlying issue is soil structure. It's if you have good soil structure. These problems go away, and you get you get better crops, you get better yields, you get better nit nitrogen use efficiency. Um, yeah, it, it, I'm afraid it is the it is the be all and end all really. Right. Um, and it's yeah. what we've noticed with industry and so and it there's the vest scores which ev everyone knows sort of it's a, it's a five it's a five stage scoring system on the structural the stru how good the soil is structurally in the top. 20 centimeters shall we say maybe 30 centimeters if you if you're going to dig down that far but from the instance that we've certainly gone to 
the problem in a lot of cases it is it depth so it's it's in that 20 to 40 centimeters it's it's your power pans it's your yeah it's just it's just compacted at depth so in the winters that we are having more extremes or rainfall events all that happens is the top the top 20 30 centimeters fills up and then it just goes overland flow and takes soil soil with it um whereas if you didn't have that compaction at depth a lot of the soils certainly in Cornwall not so much I mean there are there are free draining soils in Devon and there's a lot of free draining soils throughout south southern England um they shouldn't see these problems um but if you are on that sort of heavy clay sort of maybe a silt over heavy clay um you are going to get that natural buildup of water to some extent um your hydrology of the soil is not as good as say some of the soils that we've got down in Cornwall um and then you're looking at drainage is your drainage good enough you're looking at under sowing potentially to try and hold that soil because you're expecting a, an element of overland flow and this is this is where it gets fed into if we had to come to an incident all of these all of these um sort of factors come into play so it's it's what soil type are you on? Have you matched the relevant sort of cropping with that soil type? Have have you pushed it too late? Um, under the under the farming rules for water, um, it is a case by case basis, and then it gets fed back into the legal teams um, within the agency. So you're looking at like mitigating circumstance so yes um so you know i'm just imagining the case so you know um it's a bit marginal say for maize um and um you know if the farmer's done everything right you know they've sorted out compaction they've um under it with grass they've taken it off at the right time um but there's a big rainfall factor you know that there wasn't you know there they weren't um able to predict then you'd say okay well you've done everything right on that case but we can see that it's mitigated whereas if you've gone the other side of things and you've literally haven't taken any notice of um potential risk then you would you know probably might be less um uh, understanding of that situation yeah you can you're completely right and it's is the scale of the incident so I, I, coming back to the categories, it's if it's a category one fish kill that's been caused, mm. obviously the the level of the punishment will match mm. the severity of the event. If it's a category three, so it's it's sword erosion event and it's 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 gone into a river, but the the actual impact of that isn't too bad. It gets fed fed in as well, and it's it's mm. previous dealings also come in are a factor. So if if we've been working together, um, obviously that's a consideration. So, but yeah, you you you're completely right. So if it's you know if it, if it's a late variety of maize and it's it's been left and it's compacted maize stubble, and it causes a big problem, I mean there's 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 really nothing to sort of that's that's mitigated against there. So I know you're doing a special project. So sorry, Seti, you were going to say about in North Devon. That's just on my mind, and I was, um, yeah, well, hoping Stephen would elaborate a little bit on what's going on there. Yeah, yeah. So um, we uh, we're going to do an event in North Devon. Um, so I've been talking with crop contractors um, who are well respected in North Devon. 
Um, we're going to host a, a, a local village hall, a Merton Village Hall, on the 23rd of March. Um, and it's, it's going to look at, firstly, present the data. Well, well, we'll get someone that's a lot better than I am at presenting the data, shall we say. <laughs> and they'll present the data um, for North Devon. Um, then we'll have Dr. Richard Smith, who is our soil specialist within the agency. And he, he understands the geology of all the soils of North Devon. And he he can he can go into the history of all the soils of North Devon and um, sort of their capabilities, shall we say. Um, and then we got John Morgan um, from uh, Mayas Growers Association, um, who's going to, um, well, discuss similar to the conversation we just had then on um, mm. selecting the right maize variety, all the mitigation methods and basically how we can grow maize sustainably. And then the final piece of the puzzle, um, I understand that there is a lot of um, anxiety within the agricultural industry uh, when it comes to BPS and SFI and farming rules for water. Um, so we'll spend the last last part of the day talking about that. Agri are, Agri are going to... Um, allow us to well agri gonna um give us uh one of their environmental consultants uh who's based in redden so and um we'll have uh representatives from the agency uh to discuss discuss sfi and and sort of where where everything's going really so if people want to know more obviously if they're in north devon and you've chosen that area particularly because i suppose it's a focus area for a uh, lot of water up that way, etc. Yeah, so North Devon is uh, it's it does have its its problems. Um, I'm I am Cornwall focused, but there are some issues in North Devon, and it, it just seems a good opportunity to um, to to bring all farmers into a room really and discuss the problems and and how we how we go about solving them really. And so by focusing with so many uh, eminent authorities in this area. And having it specifically focused on North Devon for now, I guess will give the EA an understanding of how the process works and whether this same targeted approach region by region could apply elsewhere across the country. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, the EA, we are catchment focused, so that's how we approach um, solving problems. Um, we understand we understand sort of the problems in each individual catchment, and then we'll match the resources to trying to identify those problems shall we say but this is this is definitely a bit of a bit of a pilot our team we've working proactively with industry to try and solve the problems before um we go down the regulatory route shall we say um yeah which i which i'm i'm quite excited about to be honest with you. yeah me too me too i was a bit apprehensive to start off with but i can actually you know see the point totally and, and understanding what the problem is helps um, our, us and our agronomy team go out and have those conversations with um, yeah our livestock farmers. So um, it's been really enlightening for me, for sure. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to. I would say looking forward to working with you. Is that that's the right thing to say with the year? I don't know, but it has been great. It has been great working with you, Stephen. I'm understanding as an agronomist, you know what you can achieve and and, and what's harder to and what's harder to achieve. But um, there's there's plenty of scope. That's for sure. Definitely, definitely. And yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to working with industry as well. Um, 
Yeah. You must have been the the first person to say, looking forward to working with the agency. Lisa. Yeah, it was a bit of an accident, but then I thought, no, it has been good. It has been good. So yeah, no, I really appreciate your time on this one as well. It's yeah, it's so important. It's always um, best to engage with most things in life. Best to engage rather than try to uh, bury your head and hope that uh, nothing will go wrong. And Lisa, you know, lots to take away for our farmer members, for other people who've come to the podcast to listen about this today. But it comes back again, doesn't it, to that thing that we we keep on badgering on about it, but soil structure and getting some analysis done to see where you are. And some farmers will have done it. Some will be across it, but for others, for whatever reasons, they might not think, oh, it perhaps doesn't apply to me. But when you can see that it could hit you in the pocket if you get this wrong, it's important, isn't it? Yeah, it's massively important. Um, if you don't know um, what you're dealing with, then how do you know how to improve it? Or how do you know if you're doing a good job? You know, so if you're doing a good job and you're using your nutrients um, exactly as they as they should be used and your yield is exactly where it needs to be, then you can pat yourself on the back. But if you don't know, then chances are that things are not going quite as they should be. And, you know, potentially, as I say, you know, fertiliser um as still um a costly and it doesn't matter what price it is it's still costly if you're wasting it so you know know what you've got there know what your muck and slurry plan your cropping think about how you're going to feed those cows so you know again nutritionist company get that help and advice from um the people that are around you um so whether that's the nutritionist your vet um, agronomist or you know help and advice is available from all these agencies out there as well so you know challenge yourself to um, improve and and know um, where you want to be great uh, words of advice there Lisa and uh, thank you both of you ever so much for having this conversation today hopefully it's been informative for people and not too scary Stephen you certainly presented a more friendly face perhaps than the <laughs> agency this today thank you um if it's okay, Steph, I just um, mm. um, I'm just thinking about how do you, because, I mean, when I when I've been farming, I didn't realise I'm just I didn't really didn't really know the process on getting in touch with the agency, um, and it's we are we are approachable and we'll we'll do our best to try and help help where we can, um, so in Devon and Cornwall we do have a we do have an email address, um, which is sort of like a central email address for every every industry and then it gets redistributed to the relevant party um so hopefully we can we can share that and that can be your be a farmer's contact really i'm working on a poster to to try and sort of um better communicate with with the industry thanks ever so much for listening today if you'd like that email address for the environment agency in devon and cornwall it is dcis inquiries at environment-agency.gov.uk that's dcis inquiries at environment-agency.gov.uk and if you'd like to speak to Stephen he'll also take your message stephen.webster at environment-agency.gov.uk stephen that's with a ph dot webster at environment-agency.gov.uk And until next time, I'll speak to you soon.